Hi, everyone. This is Javier, your host here at the Restore Podcast. We would love to hear your thoughts about the Restore Podcast topics, guests, your favorite episodes, or whatever you may want to let us know. And I am so happy to announce that now you can do that simply by texting us by going to the show notes. There, you will see a link that simply says, send us a text message. Click on it. Don't remove the number there that you will see and simply send us a text. Simple as that. So don't wait. Go to any episode show notes and text us now. Let us know your thoughts. We can't wait to hear from you. God bless. Welcome to Restore, a podcast seeking to restore the vision, restore the mission, restore the church. And now your host, Javier Diaz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Restore Podcast, Episode 11. My name is Javier, and it is our heart's desire to help restore the vision, restore the mission, restore the church through God's strength and power. Friends, it's hard to believe that at the release of this episode, we are essentially less than two weeks away from the end of 2016 and the start of a new year, 2017. Since we released our first podcast in February... It's been a learning experience for me getting into the podcasting world. And even though I'm an avid listener of podcasts, it's a bit different when you start working on one. Yet, it's been a blessing getting to talk with and learn from so many people. I want to thank all who take the time to listen and even give some feedback. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing this podcast. And before I talk to you about who will be on today's show, I want to remind all of our listeners about our upcoming Restore Conference happening January 30 through 31, 2017. It's setting out to be an amazing conference that is sure to inspire and challenge us all. So please go to our website, Restore the Mission, that's RestoreTheMission.com, for all the conference info and hotel information if you're coming from out of town. Very, very important that our $99 registration ends December 31st and then goes up at the beginning of January. So if you or anyone you know is wanting to go and hasn't registered, make sure that you do so before the 31st in order to get the lowest registration price. And since we are in the thick of the holiday season, we wanted to give away two registration, two tickets to the conference. In order to win, all you have to do is be the first two to answer this question. Are you ready? Here we go. Which episode do you think has had the most listens? So you are listening to episode 11, just to be clear. But of the first 10, which do you believe has had the most people listen to it? Email your answer to Javier, that's J-A-V-I-E-R dot Diaz, D-I-A-Z, at floridaconference.com. Now, here are the rules. You could only enter once, in other words, one email reply per person, and you must sign your full name, the city with, in which you reside, the state, and the church you attend. So that email not only has to have your answer, but of course, your full name, city, state, and the church you attend. But that said, I'm really excited for you to listen to today's guest. Her name is Juliette Van Heerden. She's an educator, speaker, and writer who holds a Master of Science in Literacy Education. 
She has written a book entitled Same Dress, Different Day, a spiritual memoir of addiction and redemption. As Juliet herself states, Same Dress, Different Day, a spiritual memoir of addiction and redemption, chronicle my journey from victim to victor. As I struggle to break free from codependency's suffocating cycle, I learn to see my Savior as a soulmate and provider my chemically dependent spouse could never be. God's healing grace is not only for the addicted, but also for the broken ones who love Him. Throughout this year, we here at the Restore Podcast have told several stories of churches on their journey of restoration. But I'm so glad today to bring you this personal story of restoration. Very important. Stay tuned for my closing remarks as I will tell you how you can get a free copy of her book. So without further ado, here's my interview with Juliet Van Heerden. Juliet, we are delighted to have you here on the Restore podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to get right into it. My, my first question to you is, why did you feel the need to tell your story and write this incredible book? To be honest, initially, I did not want to tell my story. Um, I kept it quiet for a while. Uh, it's not something you really want to share, especially when your life is good. It's hard to go back and relive painful experiences from the past. Mm. And in order to write something well, you have to live it in your mind. Sure. And so I, I really didn't want to do it, but the Lord kept bringing it to my heart. And when um, I married Andre, as a new pastor's wife, I realized that people started wanted to talk to me about mm. what's going on in their life. Okay. And, and women started coming to me and sharing um, their stories. And I realized that mine wasn't an isolated case. Mm. And Absolutely. people in our churches are hurting and addiction is rampant. And the Lord just laid it on my heart that I needed to share because people need to know that they're not alone Absolutely. and that there is hope. And that a sense of community within the church of mm. people who also struggle with addiction is a healing thing. It's a good thing. Yes. And I just wanted to tell my story for those people who really don't have a voice mm. at this point in time because of where they are. Wow. Well, you certainly, again, I don't want to give too much of it away, um, as I read the book, it was something that immediately the story captured my attention. Um, on top of that, you write uh, um, incredibly well. I just want to add Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> For lack of a word, perhaps. Um, and there's so many places that I could have quoted from regarding uh, what you were talking, addiction, right? Both uh, your first husband. And by mm -hmm. the way, once again, I know I said this probably in the intro, but my friend and colleague and um, your husband, Andre, yes. is in studio, so we're glad that he's here. He's kind of in the background right now. Um, but um, I decided that I want to read this from page 210 from your book, and uh, maybe we can talk a little bit more about it. And uh, two short paragraphs. Here we go. I will not easily forget the feelings of isolation, loneliness, and fear of exposure that marked each time John, who was your ex-husband, 
relapsed and I went to church without him. I remember the sting of the stigma that came with divorce. It wasn't spoken. Maybe it was even imagined. Overnight, I went from being part of a couple to being single. Things changed. Loyalties divided. Invitations decreased. Never wanting anyone else to feel that way, I committed myself to creating my own personal culture of vulnerability and acceptance of people who experience real struggles in their lives. I decided when I became involved in another church, I would initiate opportunities for people to be authentic about what was happening in their lives. I would choose to be part of ministries God could use to bring healing. Those decisions were deliberate. I didn't know how they would eventually play out, but I knew I wanted to make a difference within the body of Christ. I knew it had to begin with me. So here you are um, making that difference, right? Being deliberate, intentional. You, yes. You're taking up your time. You wrote the book. You're on this podcast. And so let's, let's really broaden that. So let's talk about bringing these kinds of things to different churches, right? And you're right. This is a stigma. People don't like to talk about that they got divorced. They don't like to talk about what's happening in their personal lives. And you've just blown everything up and put it in a book <laughs> for everybody to see. So tell us a, a little bit about well, that. Well, people definitely don't want to talk about chemical dependency Correct. or pornography addiction yeah. or some of these other um, marriage changing, life-changing, um, even life-and-death addictions that people in church are facing. And whether it's a spouse or a child, even a parent, statistics show that it's here. It's mm -hmm. real. We're dealing with it, but often we're not really dealing with it. We're hiding it. Mm. And so about three years ago, we started a 12-step Sabbath school class in our church. Wow. Um, where we, every Sabbath morning, we, we run a recovery group. Mm. And it's for people in the church. And we have invited um, people from our community. People come. So I just have a burden that we don't have to hang our head in shame and mm. be afraid to talk about what's really happening. That, that we don't have to come to church and say, hello, how are you? I'm fine. And go home right. with um, the secret mm. that just keeps our life in chaos. So I go to churches and I share my testimony. I give them tools and offer myself as a resource for um, helping them either find a safe place to mm -hmm. share and grow and be real or create um, a discovery recovery group of their own. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. That's, you know, fantastic. And because some churches, they're not safe places, right? And, and uh, sadly to say, the church should be the safest place where we could be able to discuss these type of aspects of conditions that we all face. I think we're all broken in some shape or form. Absolutely. And sadly, they're not. And let, let's talk about one. Let's talk about one that is clearly mentioned in the book. So obviously, part of that, of your story is that of your... Um, your journey with your husband, your ex-husband's uh, dependency on um, cocaine. Yes. But also in the midst of that journey, um, it's the codependency that's clearly um, an issue there. So how would you define codependency and explain how it's impacted your life? Okay. Um, you know, codependency is a tricky thing because 
it's not like cocaine addiction where you can say, okay, this is it. Right. I'm, I'm addicted to drugs or alcohol or, or whatever. But codependency is an addiction just as serious. And it's a type of relationship addiction. I really struggled with codependency with, within my first marriage. And in my mind, it didn't have a name. I thought he was the one who had all the problems. And that I was okay. And it took me a long time to come out of, out of denial and realize that I also had a problem. But codependency is when one person in a relationship is carrying the burden of that relationship. It's a, it's a lopsided affair. Mm. It, it's, it's an emotional, um, an emotional illness, honestly, if you want to call, you could call it a sickness Hmm. where in my case, I just kept, kept enabling and, um, rescuing my former spouse on one hand. And on the other hand, I would try to control him. And even to the point of trying to be his Holy Spirit at times mm. or to be his savior. And codependency in church can can seem like it's okay because isn't that what Jesus did? Right. He helped people, mm. he rescued people, he saved people, he poured out himself for us. So there's a fine line perhaps between being Christ-like and being like Jesus and being Jesus for somebody Mm. else, because a codependent person often ends up trying to be somebody else's savior. Mm. And Mm. that's not right. Mm. So when did you realize that this was something that you were struggling with in your previous relationship? And along those lines, how were you able to overcome it? I know those are two big questions there, but You know, I sought professional help after my friends and family members um, gave me some feedback about about my situation. I guess it's always easier for other people to see what's wrong than than the people who are in the thick middle of it. But um, I, I did seek professional help, and I went to a Christian counselor, and he shared with me some of the the codependent um, symptoms and some of the red flags that he saw in my my own life. And I can share some of those with you. Great. Um, often codependent people will caretake others. And it doesn't always have to be like someone who's chemically dependent. It can be someone who has a physical illness. Um, parents can be codependent with their children even mm-hmm. sometimes. But but they caretake to the point of neglecting their own needs. Mm. We ignore ourselves. We ignore putting our own oxygen mask on, mm-hmm. so to speak, and and just spend our whole, uh, all of our energy just pouring ourselves into someone else's life and, and kind of ending up controlling that other person and we're out of control ourselves. Mm. Um, codependent people often neglect their own needs they're reactive instead of res- responding to a situation. Um, we people please. We live under a blanket of shame 
at the same time, um, for me, perfectionism and control were um, huge in 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 my codependency. So I was trying to have this perfect exterior and and this life that people could see from the outside that looked mm-hmm. great. Yes. But underneath that, I was suffering um, with a lot of shame and guilt and fear. So it's like creating a facade, um, but trying to control everything that's out of control so that people don't see that. Mm. Um, sometimes codependent people have a difficulty identifying their own feelings and being able to even put into words what's going on or communicating properly in a relationship. And those are just some examples. But it's it's a relationship that's out of balance, to put it in a nutshell. Wow. And it's out of balance, obviously, because the balance falls um, completely, as you mentioned, or what I'm hearing you say, completely on the other person. So going back to your book, Mm-hmm. Uh, while you were, as you mentioned, out of balance is because your everything became your ex-husband yes. instead of, um, I guess for us, we can say as followers of Jesus, that our everything should be first and, form, you know, and foremost Christ. Is that fair to say? It's fair to say. I mean, I spent my life, my energy, my money, my time, my emotional energy just pouring into um, someone who was using drugs and on that that cycle of chemical dependency that is absolutely exhausting on every level. And instead of getting off that crazy cycle, I just kept it going with rescuing him, with enabling him, and then um, you know hoping things would get better. And they would for a while, but then they didn't. But my whole life centered around whether or not John was using drugs at that time or whether or not he might be using. Had he relapsed? Hadn't he? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just all about that. So I almost, I almost worshipped him and mm. that addiction, even though I loathed it and hated it at the same time. Wow. Um, you mentioned it a bit. Obviously, you said that you... Um, sought professional counseling. Yes. Um, and obviously through the counselor, you, you it helped you to process what, what you were doing. Did you did you realize that's something that you were doing? Was it something that happened? Again, I've, I read the book, so I kind of know how you came to be. But I want to encourage those once again. I'm going to say this over and over again. Um, buy this book. And before this is over, we're going to let you know how we're going to be giving away a couple of books. And we're going to let you know how you, you are able to get that. But before that, um, how did you come to understand that, okay, I'm, I'm really need to change <laughs> this, right, uh, through the counselor? And then what were the steps, if any, uh, that helped you to overcome that? Obviously, it was a process. Obviously, it's ongoing. Because I think somebody, wh- whoever that may be listening to this, can in some shape, form, I, I, I really have to believe relate. Let me tell you, I was reading the book, and I started thinking over the course of my life, um, I think I can definitely relate to what's what she's experiencing um, in that sense. Not that I've had anybody in my life, uh, you know, close to me that necessarily was dependent on drugs per se. Um, some few destined relatives actually were, but not. I wasn't codependent on them, but in other aspects, right? Mm-hmm. So, for the listeners, how do, how were you able besides the counselor? Mm-hmm. How were you able to overcome? 
Well, it's still a journey. I'm not, I am not quote unquote healed. Um, there are always triggers that, that can throw us back into an unhealthy place. Mm. And unless we are absolutely clinging to Jesus, depending on him, um, we can easily go back to our default and, I started attending, actually, I started attending 12-step group um, with John because I wanted to support him in his addiction. So mm. <laughs> it wasn't for me at all. But eventually, I realized that there are recovery groups, not just for the addicted people, the addict or the alcoholic, but for their families. Al-Anon is a great resource. Mm. Um, Celebrate Recovery. Um, Adventist Recovery Ministries has several resources available to people. And I started attending for myself. Mm -hmm. I started attending codependent group. I started reading about this. I'm like, okay, if a counselor is going to label me with something, let me learn about it. Mm. And the more I learned and the more I attended groups and listened to other people share their stories, I, it just, it hit home. It, it sank in like, okay, I really do have a problem. And I tried to find out what are my triggers? Why am I doing this? Why am I reacting this way and not re responding to the situation? And it took being, it took being vulnerable enough and being willing to make myself transparent enough that I could actually talk about what was really happening in my life. Mm. And, and and it took me coming out from behind a wall of pride wow. and being um, being real. Yes, the being, big word, right? Being real. <laughs> being real and being able to verbalize my reality, which was very, very hard for me because I was completely ashamed of the life that we lived that nobody in church knew Mm. we lived. But once I started that journey with Jesus of being able to be humble and transparent and authentic, I was able to start making those changes in my, in my life and allowing God actually to make the changes in me Mm -hmm. that helped me to, get out of that situation and to start living life for Jesus and not for someone else. Hmm. What would you say to somebody listening right now uh, that can is resonating with everything that you're saying? What would you say would be the first step to for them? Uh, to understand or to seek help in regards to codependency? I would definitely say the first step is talk about it with someone. Hmm. Find somebody that you trust and talk about it. Um, If you really feel like you have a problem, that your life is centered around somebody else's problem, go to a recovery group. Find a place where you can meet with other people who also struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Share your story. Listen to their stories. Read. Mm. There are lots of good books available that are tools in our tool belt. There's not just a one-stop shop for sure. us. Everybody's needs are met differently. But starting with opening your mouth and telling someone, hey, I think I have a problem, 
can I share with you what's going on in my life? Just that first step of making ourselves vulnerable enough to share, that starts opening the doors to our own freedom. Absolutely. And I, this is what I'm, in part, why I love the story that you're telling. Um, that aspect is that we need to put ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. We need to create these places, our communities uh, that we live in, and obviously our faith community, our churches that we come together and gather, places that we can be, as you just mentioned, be real. We talk a lot about that, right? We use that word a lot, or many people do, to be honest. Uh, yet um, it seems that we're not as real as we can be because we're afraid that if we put ourselves out there, obviously we're going to be judged, mm-hmm. misunderstood, or both. Is that Are those feelings, emotions that came to your mind, especially uh, with writing this book <laughs> and what's in it. And again, I, I don't want to give too much away of what, what, you know, what's in it. But when we, when you read it, you're like, she definitely put herself out there. In same dress, different day. I felt like it was, it, it's my opportunity to share my testimony with a larger audience. And testimony is a very personal thing, yes. but it is a very powerful thing. And revelation says that, we overcome the enemy by our testimony, by right. the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Yes. And so God can use our story to, to be a catalyst for a transformation in another person's life. And I just felt like God is going to take care of me if I open myself up. This is a sacrifice to the Lord because I am an introvert. I am normally not a person who puts my business out there. It, it, it was not an easy thing for me to write this book. Mm. But the feedback that I have received from readers around the world um, just brings tears to my eyes. Every time I mm. get a, a text or an email or a message on Messenger um, or Facebook message, I'm just humbled. I'm humbled and thankful to God that he gave me the courage to tell my story as as it is, basically unedited version of this is what it's like to be a Christian married to a, an, a chemically dependent person, married to a cocaine addicted Christian. This is what it's like to sit in the pews every week with somebody who has to hurry up and get out of there because he needs his high. Mm before it's too late for him. And it's crazy. It's a crazy life. But I'm not the only person who lived it. And when I was living it, I thought we were the only strange family. Mm. So one of the best lessons I've learned um, through this experience is that God wants us to be in community. And Dr. Larry Crabb, um, he wrote in a book called Connecting. He's he basically the premise is that healing takes place in community. Mm. It does not take place in isolation. And there is no way that I would be where I am today were it not for other people who supported me in my journey, who loved me through um, my craziness and who came together as the body of Christ and just surrounded me in so many ways, in tangible ways, in emotional ways, in spiritual ways. And I believe in the power of sharing and in the power of community. 
And um, that's one reason I go to churches and I speak um, and I tell my story, why I wrote my book, because I don't think people need to be alone. They need to know that they're not alone, that there are other people who have been through it, who can understand them, and who are willing to help them. There's so much there, very, very powerful words, you know, that healing takes place in community. And as you read the book, I mean, you make that sufficiently clear. There were so many people uh, that surrounded you, that helped you, um, that I believe, as you mentioned, and I and I believe you that God placed in your life that seemed to be instrumental to helping you that without those people, I don't know, according to what you wrote, that you would have been able to make it, to be honest. Is that fair? It's totally fair. I mean, Jesus surrounded himself with 12 12 friends who supported him Mm -hmm. when he was walking this earth. And we need to surround ourselves with, with people who we can trust and who can speak into our lives and who we can bounce things off of and who can really tell us the truth about ourselves that we're afraid to even pay attention to. Wow. And that's part of that culture, right? That's part yes. of being vulnerable. It's not just being able to say um, how we feel, which is definitely part of that, but also being to accept what we may hear that we don't want to hear once our story is out there. Mm-hmm. Is that is that correct? Yes. And sometimes it takes many times of hearing the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was in that marriage for over 12 years and I heard things over and over again and it took me a while to process them but i i don't think i would be where i am were it not for the community that god provided around me sure within that um within our our community of faith or outside of our community have you received a bit of pushback from what you've written in the book like you should have not put that in the book why did you put that um has that happened? I fully expected that to happen, but surprisingly, it hasn't. Um, and I'm thankful. I'm, I'm very thankful because I, I tend to have a thin skin. <laughs> I, I didn't want that kind of negative feedback. But honestly, um, several pastors have read my book and just um, thanked me for it and are sharing it with their church members. My husband's a pastor, and you know he was... Of course, the first person I ran things by, like, what do you think? Is this okay? And between him and my my editor and the Holy Spirit, I really feel like what ended up being in the book is what's supposed to be there. And I, I've been very, very thankful, and I felt protected almost by God um, because I haven't received the negative feedback that I thought could be possible just because the story is so transparent. Sure. Praise the Lord. Praise mm-hmm. the Lord about that. One one question that comes up in the book um, that I, I want to bring out here uh, before I ask you one more last question um, is the fact of spiritual warfare. Okay. I, I, I see, I mean, clearly this is your journey. And um, as a follower of Jesus, we, we see the highs and the lows. But I found it very interesting that you made it very clear um, throughout the book in different aspects that um, in the midst of all of this, there was something deeper, something spiritual that was going on. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times, like when you bought a home, uh, that the previous owners of that home had some issues. And so you, you felt something in that home. Um, you felt that same way in your home in Texas. And 
again, if you read the book, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, you're home in Texas. You 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 felt somebody a presence in in your house in Texas yes. as well. So you clearly flush out that in the midst of this, there's spiritual warfare. Can you expand on that? Well, absolutely. Uh, the Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, and whenever we are not at peace, we're at war, mm. and our war is not against our spouse, our kids, our church member, um, whoever it is that we're we're feeling at odds with. The war is against the enemy of our souls, and that's Satan. So we can see through the example of Jesus when he um, was tempted in the wilderness mm. that the enemy is real. He wants to destroy us. He comes in subtle ways and in blatant ways. And what did Jesus do? He, he took authority over Satan and used God's word and rebuked him. And that's our right as Christians. And so part of my journey is a, is a growth, a spiritual growth for myself of recognizing that Satan is real. And he moves in, especially when we're dealing with things like um, drugs and other doorways to our mind, because the mind is the place where the Holy Spirit reaches us. And so I could physically feel the presence of evil in my home, um, in my marriage, in my life, and I wanted it gone. And so I really learned a lot about what we can do as Christians to push the enemy back. And it's using scripture. It's using the authority that God's given us when we are under the bloodstained banner of Christ. And I began to exercise my spiritual muscles and could definitely see the results of doing that, as you can read in my, in my memoir. I can, yes. There was, uh, I mean... You used um, oil and you put it in different parts of your home at one point mm-hmm. in a certain area. And I'm not, I won't give out too much more than that. Uh, but I think it's an important aspect to bring out because clearly it's flushed out through your book. Yes. And, um, and then you express and you wrote the prayers that you um, mentioned fighting against this spiritual warfare. What was that like as you were going through that, as you were alone, as you felt that presence of evil. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm sure people listening can relate to this. Um, what did you feel at that moment? And again, as you prayed out, you know, what was it something that was just spontaneous as most of us? I mean, I've been in that situation when I feel a presence in the room and I just start praying mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's my way of, of fighting it, but I'm not going to lie. I'm scared. Right. And and clearly you were scared, yes. as you mentioned in the book. So tell us a little bit about maybe one incident um, from the book, perhaps. Well, one of the inc- instances was um, it was night and I was I was sleeping in my bed and I felt um, I actually had my pillow come over my face and I felt like I was being s- smothered. And I was the only person there except for my dogs. And this, the spirit of fear just came over me, and I called out the name of Jesus, and I took, later, I took authority over that home and that 
that space because I didn't want to live there. I was living alone. It was right after I was divorced. And I, I didn't want to live in a space where I had to be afraid because I'd been afraid so much before. So the feeling of fear that comes when we know we're being attacked at that time, it wasn't just a mental attack against the, the devil. It was a physical attack. Mm. Um, that feeling can be almost overwhelming and we can give into it. And when we give into it, we are almost accepting it. And we can also reject that, which is what I did because I didn't want to live with the spirit of fear and I didn't want to live with whatever it is that was trying to smother me. So I, I felt a righteous anger. (laughs) You know, I don't want you here. You're not welcome here. You have to go in Jesus name. And that's when I took the anointing oil and went through my home and claimed that territory for God and um, rebuked in the name of Jesus, any spirits that thought they had a right to be there. And then, um, I was free and I felt the peace of God in my home and I did not feel afraid there anymore. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> praise the Lord. You know, you mentioned that the attack is not was not just obviously in a physical way, but in a mental way. Mm-hmm. And perhaps for most, that's one of the ways, that's the main way um, that the enemy attacks. Um, one more question from that. I keep on saying one more. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm so enthralled by this <laughs> story that I promise you. One more in regards to spiritual warfare. Okay. Forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Just that word forgiveness, right? It's obviously in the book. Uh, but having gone through what you went through and with your ex-husband um, and all kinds of other stuff that it's in the book, but also not just forgiving your husband, but forgiving yourself. Sure. What was the emotions and thought process through that? Because um, it's not easy to forgive. I mean, you mentioned in the book again. Um, the years that you felt and regret. There's a whole page, right, where you talk about all of your regrets. Yes. <laughs> um, and so one of them is, in a sense, that, the years of... The wasted you, years. The wasted years. Um, and so how did that process of forgiveness work in your life? Well, the, I believe that one of the spiritual strongholds that the enemy uses um, with us is... Bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. Those things I have found as I've talked to many, many women and through my own experience, those things are deep-seated strongholds for the enemy to have access to us in our lives. And of course, um, that was a temptation for me. And, And I gave in to that temptation. I was angry. I could have justified my anger and held on to that bitterness and that that unforgiveness. And I wanted to. On the other hand, I didn't want to hurt myself. I didn't want to hurt my relationship with Christ by by being bitter. And it really took an act of God because this is a this is a generational stronghold in my family. I mean, mm. we are grudge holders to the nth degree. <laughs> we can we can hold a grudge, sure. But uh, the Lord really has set me free to the point where I do not hold one bit, praise God, of of bitterness or unforgiveness against Him. And you're right. Where I really did struggle was the years that I felt were wasted, like my best years, um, perhaps as a young woman who wanted to be a a parent, um, those years disappeared Mm. and I was angry, 
But I chose to to release that and through God's grace and through working through the 12 steps in my recovery group and dealing with that forgiveness in a spirit uh, in a spiritual way, um, dealing with the unforgiveness in the spiritual realm, um, God really set me free from that. And I am so thankful because the theme of my book is that God redeems the dreams we thought were yes. lost. And, you know, you use the word restore. Right. It basically means the th- same sure. thing. He gives us back the years the, the locust stole. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yes. You know, regarding that, regarding wanting to be a mother, um, Juliet, part of your story is, is your desire to want to be a mother and those years that, as you just mentioned, um, and again, I want to, I appreciate that vulnerability to put that out there. It's, that's really hard for some to speak about yet. Your story doesn't end with the book. I think there may be a part two to your <laughs> book and to, I mean, obviously the story is ongoing, but the reason I say that is because, um, your journey has continued and you've recently, you and your husband, um, have finished in one sense, officially continued on another journey Mm because you've just finished the adoption process of two incredible 16-year-old Ukrainian boys that you have brought to the good U.S. of A. Yes. Now, again, we're going to have to have you back for another podcast about that perhaps, but uh, tell us a little bit about that because speaking of restoration, again, in the book you made clear that was (laughs) one of the regrets. And uh, full circle, um, you are a mom of two. I'm a mom. I've been a mom for about four months now. And uh, Andre and I got on the parenting highway with no on-ramp. We went from zero kids to two 16-year-olds. And it's been an amazing journey, not something we ever expected. I did not know how God was going to redeem that dream in my life because I in my book, I did try to force God's hand, and um, chapter seven, I talk a lot about that that yes. uh, disappointment of of losing a child, and I did not know what God was going to do, but He has really done it. And <laughs> Andre and I are experiencing parenthood in full force. It's a lot of fun. It's really, really hard. And um, sometimes you have to be careful what you ask for. Yes, absolutely. You get it. But but seriously, God God has redeemed that dream in my life. And I'm 46, first time mom, and my kids are just the right age for for my husband and me. And um, they're amazing young men. We know that God has. A purpose and a plan for them. And that probably will be my next book. Um, we just have to see how it plays out <laughs> first. We're writing the chapters day by day, yes. but it's a beautiful story and um, and absolutely a story of redemption. Praise the Lord. Well, Juliet, I really want to thank you for being on our Restore podcast. And certainly this is an absolutely incredible and beautiful story of restoration. And so I want to thank you for taking the time and again, Andre, he's uh, there in the background, but I want to thank Andre for being here as well. And your kids are outside of our little studio here, and they're, I guess, doing homework because yes. you are a teacher. Yes. And, uh, and so you're homeschooling them, correct? We're homeschooling, and they're doing homeschool outside the door. Okay, great. Awesome. So again, thank you for being with us. Tell our listeners uh, where they can reach you. Okay. I have a website, JulietVanHeerden.com, um, where I blog and continue to tell my story. 
Um, also, I can be reached on email at info at julietvanheerden.com. And I would love to communicate with the readers. I would love to come to your church, your community, um, and just share my, more of my story and share tools and resources of how you can turn your church into a recovery community. Awesome. Is there a Facebook page people could look at or check you out? Yes, it's Same Dress, Different Day Okay, at Facebook. Incredible. Well, thank you again. And um, if you want to know how you can get a free copy of Juliet's book, just stay tuned for um, a few words after we close this conversation here. And all this information will also be on our show notes. So, Juliet, thank you again for being with us. Thank you. Well, I hope that as you have been listening to my conversation with Juliet, that you have been blessed. And also that it has piqued your interest in reading her book, which I hope you will go out and purchase. With that said, here's how you can win a free copy. Answer the same question that I asked in the intro. So if you have not listened to the intro, please go back and listen to it. And of course, the same rules apply that were mentioned in the intro to winning this free book. Now, since the first two to email me with the correct answer will receive the tickets to the Restore Conference, the third person to email me the correct answer will receive the free book. Now, here's a little twist. If you are one of the first two to answer the question correctly, but can't make it to the Restore Conference and want the book instead of the tickets, you can certainly choose that and we will send you her book. Before I close, I want to encourage you to look into booking Juliet for your church or your event, as I believe she will certainly be a blessing to you and those of your congregation and or your event. Also, I want to give a special thank you and shout out to Lee Bennett. He's the one that helps me with this podcast, and without him, it probably wouldn't be possible to get this podcast done. So Lee, thank you for your help. And once again, to everyone listening, hope you have a great time during these holidays and are ready for an incredible 2017. Until next time, may God bless you and Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to this Restore podcast. We hope you've been blessed. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any of our inspiring episodes.